Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I have a very special guest here with me today. I have the amazing B.B. Hayes with me. Oh, stop. (laughs) I am so happy to have you on the show. I randomly met him at the Sausalito Art Festival, and (laughs) I don't even know how we started talking about music. It just kind of came up, and then I gave you my business card. It was cool. (laughs) No, I I remember because I was actually on a second date. Oh, shit. Right? And it was, so it was like kind of this, I don't know, first dates are awkward, but it was a second date, which was <laughs> yeah. also awkward a little bit, but we were having fun. And she was just like, let's go over here and win a prize. Did you have like one of yeah, those? Yeah, we had. Uh, spin the wheel? Yeah, I believe okay, it was a spin all right. the wheel thing. I don't Plinko. No, it was Plinko. Oh, it was a Plinko. Yeah, Plinko. Okay, so, so she's like, let's go win a prize. And, and of course, you know, it's everyone wins. Yeah. Right? Kind of. <laughs> so yeah. we're like, okay, it's ever Because it, uh, we were just walking in. So it was perfect. Okay, she's yeah. like, let's go over and win a prize. So we got some sunscreen, and that was cool. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just, you're very personable. So it was kind of <laughs> like, well, let's, let's uh, you know, ask you what you're up to. And then something... I, I'm always very, uh, I guess I just volunteered the fact that I'm a DJ. Yeah, and I yeah. think I was like... <laughs> hey, me too. Perked my ears. I hey, was like, oh, oh. Something in common <laughs> right there. Yeah, so um, so that's how we met. That was really cool. Uh, soupy soup. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I've already got a nickname for you, Thanks. so I'm excited <laughs> about that. Yeah. So you've been a DJ for a while. You've been in the scene for a long time. A very long time. I like to just... Crop it off at 30 years. Oh, shit. Yeah. So we'll just, we'll just leave it at 30. Wow. I have to say it's, it could be a little bit longer, but uh, 30 is a good, nice round number. So mm-hmm. like, like if you're going to tell somebody how old you are, just pick an age and stick with it. So like <laughs> yeah. 10 years from now, it'll be like, oh, I've been doing it 30 years. You know, I'll be like 70. Like, <laughs> I remember when we used to play back in the day in San Francisco. <laughs> how long you been a DJ? 30 years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so how did you get into DJing? Like, what? Gosh, it was an accident. Really? Pretty much. I, was, I mean, I was reading, like, your bio. Yeah. Um, so you used to work at a bar. You were a bar back? Right. Okay. So you it, did that. You did your due I diligence. I did my research. <laughs> well, it's, it's a funny story because, of course, I did go to the Columbia School of Broadcasting. Okay. When I was in my... I would say early 20s. Okay. And then something happened where like halfway through they went bankrupt. Like they took they took all the money and somebody like stole the money. Like I think it was oh, a, yeah, it was a big like. horrible. Uh, what do they call that when somebody embezzles, right? Oh my so God. So somebody embezzled the money and I had borrowed money to go to this school and I was like halfway through. So uh-huh. I did have an interest in broadcasting and radio would have been something. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I was on my radar. Um but at some point, I never finished and got my degree at Columbia School of Broadcasting, although I still put it on my resume because nobody will ever know, except for now, that I didn't graduate. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm school I'll cut it out. Oops. <laughs> no, I don't care. It's so long ago. So, but bottom line is, Wait, where was that located? So it was, was in that... San Jose. Interesting. It's like the San Jose, and it must have been, er, like, uh, so I high school, and then probably in the late '80s, mid '80s, mid to early late. 80s. <laughs> I was in Columbia School of Broadcasting. Anyways, it did, did get me interested. But then I, I basically, really my passion, and it's kind of interesting because now that I'm, you know, been DJing for so long, mm-hmm. is acting. Interesting. So yeah, I'm the stand-up comedy. I used to do improv, uh, improv, and I would, you know, part of a improv group uh, called the Bay Area Buttettes, and we used to do <laughs> stuff in Campbell down at the Gaslighter Theater, nice. and like then I would. Um, you know, uh, so so in high school, I was always in theater, mm-hmm. the musicals, and I was the, you know, class clown, <laughs> right? So, I mean, entertainment yeah. in general. So I juggle. Okay. And I balance things on my face. Nice. On my nose. <laughs> stuff. So and entertainment yeah, has entertainment. always been like your forte. Yeah. So okay, like, that's it, really for, cool. Since high school. So, I mean, well, actually, since I was five. Oh, I nice, knew. nice. I knew because yeah. I don't know what I said to my sister and her girlfriend, but it was so like it was probably some inadvertent sexual comment when they were like sitting on the steps. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> and they laughed so hard. I was like, well, this is a cool feeling. People are laughing, you know. So, um, yeah, so I always knew. And so I was into drumming, okay. you know, and I was, they got me a drum set and I uh-huh. broke the hell out of them, <laughs> of you course. know, just bang, bang the hell out of those things. And then. Uh, later on, my my mom uh, after they my mom and dad got divorced, and then um, my mom had a boyfriend named Terry Cotter, and this guy was a magician. Okay. And so he like I probably was like nine years old or something, and he would do magic tricks for me, and I was instantly just oh my god, like so, so cool, back. oh my god, because <laughs> of course you know you're like dating this lady and she's got kids and you're showing her magic tricks. I mean. The guy was like in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was in. So I got into magic. Okay. Yeah. So it's, you know, it starts really, really young. So, and then he taught me to juggle. So all of these things, like when you're um, a second child and I have this passion to entertain, it didn't matter what it was, like I would be driven mm-hmm. to learn it. Mm-hmm. Right. So magic tricks. I had a next thing you know, I had a trunk full of magic tricks and the, the <laughs> uh-huh. rope tricks and the and the linking rings and the sponge balls, you know, that produce into. Can you like yeah. tell me some secrets from like magic tricks? <laughs> like there's I was a watching, magician like, is never supposed to tell his. Secrets. Ugh, frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> I guess well, you have just... a question. Let's see if I can uh, okay. lead you in the right direction. Um. I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head mm. of something that I've seen. But I guess since well, you so, said it, yeah. the ring one. The ring one. So how one. does that actually work? I know. Did, I'm, I'm not supposed to tell. No. I'm oh, t- I know. Okay. Maybe off the air. <laughs> okay. We'll see. But no, that was one thing he taught me right from the beginning was a magician never tells his secrets. So like a lot of times people say, do it again, do it again, because they want to see what they missed. Uh-huh. And some of the best magicians, they could do it a hundred times and, and the person still, would still never see it. Yeah. I don't think I ever really got that good, but I enjoyed doing performing for uh-huh. people. So it was really all about performance, yeah. right? So it didn't matter whether I was juggling or I was mm-hmm. this. And then my um, my uncle had this talent where he would balance things. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Like everybody does a broom on their hand. Like yeah. when you're young, like you could oh, yeah, you bounce like, the broom. Oh. Right? And then <laughs> yeah. I saw my uncle one time. I was on a construction site with him, or so, somehow he was like had this talent where he he put this wheelbarrow on his chin from the handle. My uncle Tom, right? Oh my god! And he put it on his chin, and he's balancing this wheelbarrow. And I was like. I was so like, okay, so then it was like another one of those things like, okay, well, now I get to have well, to do I it. I have to do I that I have to now. learn how to do it. So I started with the broom and I put it on my chin and then my nose. And then as, it, as I started to get better and better, the objects got smaller and smaller. Okay. So I was in a magic shop one time and this guy said, um, the hardest thing in the world to balance, it's almost impossible to balance, is a dollar bill. Huh. So you, you take the dollar bill and you, you twist it a little bit uh-huh. so it stands up by end. And he was saying that because anything shorter, you get go cross-eyed because you're looking at the top of uh, the object. The uh-huh. whole time you have to look at the top so you know where to, to balance it. Yeah. So the dollar bill was this really small object that was very hard. But you could use the wind. You could use the air to like kind of help. Manipulate a bit. it, yeah. Anyway, so I was doing pencils okay. and dollar bills. And anything that was small and impress everybody <coughs> in high school. Uh-huh. So it was, <clears throat> that's kind of where my uh, my name started. It was the BB. It was okay. a nickname. Um, it stands for Balancing Bill, the Juggling Clown. Oh the best entertainer in any town. Your kids will laugh with lots of joy. They give up their puppies and throw out their toys. Or if you're having a party today, call Balancing Bill. He'll come right away. Oh my gosh! So nice. I'm, yeah, so I'm just always been. Like, what is BB? <laughs> what is BB? Oh. Yeah, I mean that's really cool. Yeah, you. Yeah, a lot of people like just use their imagination, but not a lot of people know that it's that's an actual balancing bill. <laughs> um, but I, I played sports in high school and stuff, but I didn't play football my senior year because I couldn't do the musical mm-hmm. if I was in the football because yeah. of the conflict of of practice and everything so i really chose theater at that point and just entertainment in general mm-hmm. over sports right yeah the, I, w- I was always like <clears throat> that way in high school too like literally my entire like life i hate sports i am not coordinated that is not my thing mm-hmm. and i always just gravitated yeah. towards music like i had to do right? something music related like, right and yeah. I was I was in some sort of music related thing my That's entire cool. life, and then college I wasn't until I found the radio station. I know, and, I was and like, now I'm you're back. back. <laughs> now you're back, and that's yeah. cool. So I know I went back to like the very beginning for you, but it's important because <laughs> it is because yeah. I mean, when I finally like decided I wanted to be into acting, and I got a job at a bar as a barback, which is what you read. So that's yeah. kind of like the beginning of like where the DJ thing started was. Um, so I was a bar back and it was interesting because I'm back there and I'm have a personality mm-hmm. and I wanted to be a bartender mm-hmm. so that I could go to L.A. Mm-hmm. and I could um, work at night mm-hmm. and go to auditions during the day. During the day. Mm-hmm. So it was like a Perfect. good yeah. plan, you know. Um, and then uh, the owners of this bar, um, Faces Cafe in Sunnyvale, it was like the early 80s and they said, um, have you ever DJed? And I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, I've DJed. And I kind of had some interest in it. Have you ever mixed? Yes. <laughs> uh, anyways, they needed a happy hour DJ. Okay, um, yeah. You know, so you're just like playing a song. You're not really mixing. You're just yeah. kind of segue, like radio. So I kind of had mm-hmm. an idea of how to 
put one song on and then push the play button. That's not yeah. rocket science. Yeah. But, but then you get on the mic. You're like, okay, two for one. Yeah. Kamikazes, you know, or whatever the drink special is for the uh-huh. next five minutes, you know, get your $2 shot, you know, well drinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I did that and it kind of got into it. And then there was these two guys that um, worked there, these two DJs, Amato and Mark Amador. And they are my heroes because they basically took me under their wing mm-hmm. and taught me the finer points of being a nightclub DJ. Nice. Mixing the two songs together, beat matching. Oh. Which these days Very. is not as much of a thing because the computer does it for yeah. you. But back then it was, you had to by ear, like set the tempos so mm-hmm. they were the same and then you would mix them in a most efficient way to keep a dance floor going, mm-hmm. right? I was hooked. I was just like, wow, this is like the coolest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. And I had to learn to be as good as I could be. Just like when I was a yeah. kid, it's like something like, that I, I was need just to, like, I need to do I it. I have to master this. I'm going to master this. See, back then you were mixing um, like different genres. Mm-hmm. You know, like these days I'm into yeah. house music. It's like similar beats and tempos and yeah. stuff. Um, but it was like you would play a rock song and then and you'd then play a Madonna sw- song yeah, or maybe she- two of those uh-huh. and then two of those. And, you know, so you'd be mixing the different kind of genres, mm-hmm. different styles and stuff. So you kind of have to get pretty, pretty skilled at how uh, those songs are going to work together on the dance floor. Yeah. And you like really need to know the song. Like, yeah. the, like you need to really know it. You know it. the <laughs> intro. Like you, you would yeah. count, you would count the intro. Like, you, yeah. And they had also taught me how to just instinctively know the tempo. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, every song's a different tempo. And if yeah. you're going to change the pitch or the speed of it, you have to know what the pitch is of the temp, the song you're playing mm-hmm. and how much slower or faster the one that you're going into is. Mm-hmm. And of course, Back in the day, if you changed the tempo too much, it would start to sound like it was yeah. not the right pitch, right? Yeah. <laughs> so it had to be like this, kind of like you'd always try to stay around. Once you mixed, you'd always want to get it back to within mm-hmm. an audible range. Yeah. So yeah, so it was always this, you know, different. A lot and are you of mixing practicing. vinyls? Yeah. Dang. Yeah, yeah. that's I'm, I'm way back then when they still had vinyl. And I remember even before I got into uh, like a record pool for mm-hmm. DJs, this is like you have to be a club DJ to get into these record pools, which would give you service for all the brand new music. Okay. And cool. you get promotional copies. Okay. And then you would have to give them feedback. Like, what did you think? You know, different, 10 different, like, boxes to check or rate it on a scale of one to five Mm -hmm. this kind of thing but before that i would i mean i remember my first the first record i bought was a 45 that's how old i am (laughs) the first one was a song called um swing out by swing out sister okay and if you heard the song you'd probably have heard it because it's like an 80s classic probably yeah you can google it later but (laughs) swing out by swing out sister um and, uh, yeah, and then I just started buying vinyl, mm-hmm. like, records to have my, start my own collection. Mm-hmm. But when they got me in the record pool, that was, that was the shit. Because yeah, everything knew, these, everything, yeah. before it even was released. And so I got into the pool, and then I started building my record collection. So a brand new Madonna would come out, mm-hmm. a brand new hip-hop song, or a brand new, like, uh, Tone Loke, and all these, like, hits, right? Mm-hmm. So I started building my record collection. Yeah, that was, uh... 
So how but, did you get into <clears throat> house music? Mm. Well, that's a good story. I um, so I had done I had done San Jose for a number of years, probably. I want to say five, six, seven years okay. where I was doing that. And then I did radio and I was kind of doing radio remixing. Okay. And I was, you know, um, kind of creating my own remixes mm-hmm. back in the day. And that was cool. But I wanted to make my own music, too. And mm-hmm. so I was kind of like at some point when, you know, I've done I've done a lot. And I was felt like I was spinning my wheels in San Jose. I was almost ready to just hang it up after seven years. Mm-hmm. Like. You know, as an artist, that's kind of how you go through it. You're yeah. like, you have inspiration, and then you're like, and then you I don't know what I'm. My maybe I'm done. Yeah, you hit a wall. You kind of hit a wall, mm-hmm. you know. And as a as an artist, I guess that's pretty common. But yeah, I didn't really know that. I didn't really understand that as a process mm-hmm. of being an artist. So I was kind of done, and so I go to San Francisco with a bunch of friends, mm-hmm. and it was just like a Saturday night or something, and. We went to this club. It's still there. It's called 1015 Folsom. Yeah, I'm very familiar with 1015. And I had never been there. So I walk in this club and it was a, I think it was a, a drag show night. <laughs> nice. So I'm from San uh-huh. Francisco. It's not like I've never seen a drag queen before yeah. or anything, but it was like kind of like, oh my God, this is a whole different world. Yeah, like, this it is was cool. Like, it was uh-huh. totally different. But I remember hearing a song that came on and it, it just caught my attention because I'm like, what is this music? And it was house music, but it was a specific song. It was It's called Plastic Dreams. Plastic Dreams. Yeah, and I was telling somebody about it the other day, too. It's like something you should definitely look up because Plastic Dreams by JD is still never been equaled, in my opinion. Um, Plastic Dreams is just this, like, really um organ riff okay it's organ riff right so i heard plastic dreams and i said man this is like something i've never heard um and it was house music and i was at that point i was like there's something else yeah there's another genre genre of music (laughs) that i didn't know because i was i was pretty much done with hip-hop at that point too like and that's when I set my sights on San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And okay. house music was a thing. However, yeah. I still had my big top 40 in my wheelhouse. So, yeah. uh, you know, I got into um, house music, but I also had to make money and wasn't really known for house music. So I was like, I'm interested. And a lot of my DJ friends were doing the rave scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my good friend Rick Preston and Julius Papp and... Uh, these other big name DJs and Garth and Yano and you know they're like been around you know a little bit longer than I have and they've been like doing this underground thing and I'm like have you did you ever go to like underground raves I did I went into some I went to some of them in the early 90s hell yeah and I was like listening to them and I was like okay this is some crazy techno stuff and yeah but it was it was cool it was different um and it wasn't really in my again my my genre. I didn't have the music yeah. for it, but I also wasn't connected with all those people. Mm-hmm. So I was still kind of more like just observing and learning. And um, yeah, I was hooked. But I but I had to still make money, so I started to do jobs that were in San Francisco, mm-hmm. but were in the eighties music. Mm-hmm. So still stuff I was doing. Um, and then I got the job uh, while I was working at. Uh, Oasis 
playing house music with a friend of mine, Matthew Consola, who I had done weddings with. Like we were like working at a wedding, uh-huh. you know, uh, company, Windy City DJs. Um, the owner was Paul Hopper. And that's also as a DJ how you made money. So I worked, did weddings. I DJed at the strip clubs. Mm-hmm. I was the MC. I was the DJ. I was still performing, right? Yeah. Still entertaining, but mm-hmm. it wasn't like the the best job. But the tips were good. Yeah. <laughs> it was you know the perks weren't bad. Yeah. But it wasn't really what I was focused on. Mm-hmm. It was just to make a living. So weddings. I mean, I, after you do so many weddings, it's like burnout on that too. Yeah. But point being, I got uh, connected with Matthew, who was had connections in San Francisco mm-hmm. in the gay community and then I had I met the DNA Lounge who had just been purchased by Rob Schneider the comedian okay and his brother John Schneider oh, so I had these no idea. two brothers and this is um I want to say 95 Okay. Oh, that's when I was Maybe born. Maybe 94. Yeah. So you <laughs> were just born. So obviously you weren't there at no. the club. Okay. <laughs> Not as an <laughs> But um but yeah, so so I really hit it off with John Schneider, his his brother who's um still good friends with me to this day and uh the DNA was a club that was used to be alternative. Mm-hmm. And then they went commercial like more like top 40, so they would have a disco band. Okay. Called Grooveline. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> Grooveline had the big fro wigs and the whole disco getup, and Love they would it. do the cover cover <laughs> band stuff. And then they would play a couple of sets. I would play in between their set, mm-hmm. and then I'd go on after, and the club would stay open till like two or three. Okay. That was that was a great gig. Um, it was also right around the time uh, I was um, saw Pro Tools. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the digital audio workstations um had just come on the scene i saw pro tools and it also was another aha moment because i used to do these things on the reel to reel and like literally like cut the tape and then splice it together wow so when i discovered non-destructive editing digital it was digital back then um you know it changed changed my life i was like and they were all the tracks were all different colors and Uh i always identified music kind of saw it in my mind as colorful right so I like just identified it and then I started a um what we call is a compilation cd Mm -hmm. um and my friend Matthew and I came up with this uh compilation called go girl (laughs) hey right and it was basically house music And they were just promotional, so we would only do a thousand. But Go Girl became this really big deal. We'd go to the Gay Pride Folsom Fair and have a booth, Uh and we were, you know, selling these CDs. So that was really cool, and made it kind of helped my popularity in San Francisco. Right? People started to know who you were. Yeah, and so I was kind of like, you know. uh, just involved with the the gay community as well, just for my association with Matthew and stuff, and uh, and then DNA Lounge. So mm-hmm. I had this like I was kind of like all cross platform, mm-hmm. and DNA Lounge was amazing because um, not only was it one of the hottest clubs in San Francisco when they took it over, um, it was a place where that Prince played. Mm-hmm. So he would he would do his concerts, and then he would. Uh, just show up at the DNA lounge. Nice. Yeah. And he would just do these, you know, shows uh-huh. for a small audience because he really liked to do that. Mm-hmm. 
so that was that was really cool and uh the dna ended um and then a new club was opening up called ruby sky yeah i know ruby sky i don't it's not Ruby Sky. It's not. Anymore. It's called it's August, August Hall, Hall now. Yeah. yeah. But it had a 17-year run. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I was fortunate enough to be the resident there when they first opened. That's awesome. So that was a neat. That was neat. Who do you listen to, like, now? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I like... Uh, I like... I don't really follow producers, per se. I mean, I I'm certainly play, like, Calvin Harris stuff and David Guetta stuff Mm -hmm. and you know um i mean for a while i was kind of into dead mouse um but again there's a certain amount of um electronic tech that is a little too out there for me you know but i know everybody digs it so i'm kind of like i'm always kind of the last two i'm not ahead of the curve in a lot of ways i don't i don't feel like i am but at the same time i i don't try to be Uh uh-huh I just play music I like. Yeah. And I think that's the uh, focus of house music for me is kind of like I've never been a follower. Okay. And so it's always worked for me that way. I just play what what I think is good. Yeah. And it's and it works because if I like it, then people like it. People and, will like it, yeah. And that's the cool thing about house music crowds too is they're not they're – not they're more um, – I don't, I don't know how to say it without, like, I'm not trying to trash talk people that listen to other music yeah. or anything, but they just, they're not up there making a lot of requests. They don't request, you know, yeah, can you play this, can you play that. Listen. They just appreciate that I'm expressing myself. Uh-huh. You know, it's just what's, because a lot of the underground music, house music, is is brand new. It's not on the radio. Yeah. Electronic music it's itself not, but isn't it, on the radio. But what happens is if something becomes really popular... Then all of a sudden, now it, they're playing it on the radio. Yeah. Like Robin S. was the first uh, Show Me Love. Yeah. You've got to show me love, mm-hmm. right? It's huge classic now. Yeah. But that was one of the first house songs that came out that I was playing at the DNA Lounge mm-hmm. in the middle of Depeche Mode, Madonna, Bust a Move, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I would slip in more house music. Um, a little bit later Sneaky. in the night, you know what I mean. <laughs> so it's like kind of educating those guys. And then after DNA, I would go to a, a club uh, called Ten Fifteen Folsom, mm-hmm. which had a party called Release. Okay. And Release was the after hours place, and it took me a while to get in there. Like I was new, but I did have Go Girl, that so I had some some reputation. Yeah. But it's really hard to get in there. So I had some fans that campaigned for me. Okay, cool. I didn't like send them out there to campaign, but they would always like go to the promoter and be like, hey, is you, you should try hiring this guy, B.B. Hayes, blah, blah, blah. So that was really neat to be able to like, because it is very political business. Like it's, you got to know people yeah. and you got to kind of. It's really annoying. It's annoying <laughs> as It's fuck. so I'm annoying. Like, uh, I'm not. Because yeah, I, I try not to. I'm. You know, you deal with that too. It's the same thing. Like even like me trying to even reach out to people for interviews is difficult, and it's like really? people just like dodge me and just no. <laughs> it's, it's so yeah, I totally yeah. understand it. It's very difficult to connect with people. No, you're important, Soupy Soup. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> when I make music, I feel like I'm in touch with, um, like. I want to say a higher power, but just the universe. The universe, like, yeah. You kind of have to be receptive to mm-hmm. 
to what's being, you know, um, what's, what's going on in, in your brain and your, your, your spirit. Right. So for me, when I'm down and I'm not feeling, um, inspired, that's part of it. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. Like, okay, let me be present with that. Let me be, let me be focused on the reality that like, okay, so I'm not, I'm not feeling creative right now. It's that it's not a bad thing. No, and right? everyone hits those. Everybody hits um, those. Yeah, right? I mean, I hit them too sometimes. Coming up with stuff like, oh man, what am I gonna do for my next show? Like, I, right. I not have no idea. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So that's cool. And so you just have to keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah. And um, again, that that is, you know, it's it's important that um, you keep moving forward because a lot of us as human beings tend to stay stagnant. It's safe. Yeah. You're, you're, you're in a place. Yeah, you feel you feel safe. You don't want to like fail. You don't want to leave your bubble. You don't want to leave your bubble. And I'm no different, you mm-hmm. know. So um, for me, it's been like an, an incredible journey of like even after my daughter was born and Ruby Sky was the top of my game. Like it was the number one club like in San Francisco, but also like even on the planet at one point. It was like Ruby Sky was like no because San Francisco too. So it was like yeah. this, you know, a lot of focus on San Francisco. So I was very fortunate to be chosen to be this resident DJ there. That's awesome. That's a huge. Deal. And it didn't last very long. It lasted two or three years. Okay, but I mean, that's still it was a, a good pretty good run, time. right? Yeah. I felt like it was a good run, and I nobody can ever take that away from me. But yeah, but I got back into school. Nice. Um, for advanced electronic music production. Okay, um, where at? Ableton. It's called the Recording Connection. Okay. They're based in LA, but they have a, an online arm here. Yeah, it's, well, it's online. It's a mentorship, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So I go to a studio in Sausalito okay. um, and do one, some one-on-one. And then there's some workbook online and then mm-hmm. some calls with some, you know, support. and um, but But that's cool because music production has been... Like that's where it's at with house music, especially mm-hmm. like yeah, you gotta you gotta be, be producing the music. Mm-hmm. So that's why I started doing the Ancient Alien album, <laughs> yeah, which I just uh-huh. gave you. So it's called it right it's here. called Disclosure. Two songs have been released on other labels. <clears throat> There's one um, called The Phoenix Lights, which is on my uh, my friend Matthew Consola's label. Um, his label's called Swishcraft. Okay, Swishcraft is really blowing up. Like he's Matthew's like my hero because he owns a label. I'm not really label material to own a label is a whole nother like job. That is a whole. I'm just trying to produce music and be into (laughs) acting and, you know, having fun and all that. But I'm producing music, having them released on other labels. That's cool. Yeah. And so uh, Phoenix Lights is the first track on that CD I gave you. Um, You can find it online. uh, B.B. Hayes, uh, Phoenix Lights. Um, it's on all the download sites, you know, YouTube and okay. Beatport and TrackSource. You know, it's all about having fun doing what you love. And so, mm-hmm. and that's what you and I are doing here. Yeah. Like, I love being on air. I love talking. I, <coughs> like, ultimately, this, I would like this to be, like, my career. It is. Yeah. I mean, I see it. I see it. I see it. I see your future. I see your <laughs> Thank future. You. That's very Soups. reassuring. Soups, you have big things coming down your path. Thank you. I oh, absolutely. Sure hope so. <laughs> but we are almost out of time. Um, Perfect. So. I just want to thank you so much for coming in and talking to me. You had so much to say. And everyone listening, I hope you guys took something from this. He has a lot to say. Go follow him on Instagram. Your Instagram handle is BB Hayes Club. Mm-hmm. 
Follow him on Instagram, YouTube. BB Hayes Club everywhere. If you put in at BB Hayes Club on Google. It's just everywhere. Pretty much all of them will come up. I think there's a few I need to fix that I needed a... But the, you can find me, BB Hayes, BB Hayes Club. Perfect. Those, Everyone, go check him out. Yay! Check out his Spotify. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. Um, and I think I'm going to... Do you have any last words? No, I just want to say thank you again for having me, too. I had yeah. a great time. And, um, yeah, I appreciate uh, you having me on your show. Thank you. Awesome. I, I'm glad you came. I'm glad you responded so quick. We're buddies we're like, now. Hell yeah. <laughs> now we're buds. Yep, we okay. are. And we will stay in contact. All right, cool, cool. <laughs> so everyone, I will see you guys next week. Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Twitter, at DJ Soups. Um, Spotify playlist is updated weekly. I have been slacking on that, but it's still a good playlist. And you should follow it. And yep, that's it. I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.